There's a legend, and as most legends go, it's based on truth of a man that was shot with a poisonous arrow. And before he would let someone remove the arrow from his body, first of all, he wanted to know what kind of arrow it was. He wanted to know what kind of poison was on the arrow. He wanted to know who shot the arrow. He wanted to know what kind of procedure was going to take place to remove the arrow. And he just had so many questions that kept him from receiving the medical care that he needed that he died while the poison coursed through his body. And I've often thought about that legend as I've had conversations with various friends and people that I've attempted to build relationships with over the years. People who want to debate the existence of God. And if there is a God, why is this happening? Why is that happening? If there is a God, how can you be sure what He's like? And have you ever seen God? And the questions sometimes are legion. This morning I want to talk to you and use a question that Jesus used. And I just want to title this message, Do You Want to Get Well? Would you like to be whole? Would you like to be healed? And in 20 years as your pastor, I've never done what I've done this year. This is the third message that I preached on miracles. Let me just be real blunt and real simple. I believe with all of my heart that God is still the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that He still heals. He's a miracle-working God. We had an incredible service last week. I did not plan to come back to this this week, but Sunday afternoon as I was praying, I just wasn't let go in my spirit or had the freedom to move on. If you were here last Sunday, and it's almost like a different congregation every Sunday, we had an incredible morning. For such a long time, people just waited in this altar praying. People have shared with me this week how God touched them, what God did in their lives. It was just an amazing Sunday morning as we waited in His presence. I told you last week, and I'll share it with you again this morning, that you can't really believe in God unless you believe in miracles. And because I'm a Christian, I believe in miracles. And I know there are a lot of people who disagree with us on that. I'll talk about one of those stories this morning. But the very fact that you have a Bible, whether it's on your iPad or whether it's a physical book that you're holding this morning, the fact that you have a Bible is a miracle from God. How so many people have tried to stamp out and wipe out the Bible. When you open the Bible, it begins with the story of our creation, a creative miracle. And as I shared last week, it seems like miracles come in clusters in the Bible. It's throughout the Bible there are miracles, but then there are a period of years where you don't see any miracles at all. And you, you have to look at that as the entire Word of God and the revelation of God and go, okay, what's going on here? Why are these, these times, like it just seems like every day in Jesus' life there's a miracle going on. It seems like every day in the book of Acts, but when you go back and look at the timeline, it's not every single day that you see these miracles. But 
John even said one time, he said, if we wrote down every miracle that Jesus did, the world itself could not contain the books. And I believe that. But what I also believe is that miracles happen around us every day that we're not aware of. So when I tell you that Jesus heals, Jesus delivers, Jesus saves, I believe that. But I also believe this, and this is a very important point, that God's grace is sufficient for any challenges, any needs, any impossibilities that we might face in our life. And remember, grace is when God gives us what we don't deserve. God gives us His grace, and sometimes there's not a miracle that we would like to see, but God gives us the grace, and we overcome that. So as I talk to you again this morning, I'm also concerned because I want you to listen and I want to equip you, but I chose not, after thinking and praying about it, I chose not to make a video about this week. Because miracles aren't to be marketed. Miracles aren't to be advertised as though somehow or another that we've got a corner on miracles. I hope that you receive a miracle when you come to Woodland Church. I hope that when you pray for one another, you see miracles and signs and wonders. I, I hope that when I pray for you, there's a miracle in your life. But Woodland doesn't heal people. God heals people. I don't heal people. God heals people. And as long as we are careful to give God all the glory and never touch that glory for ourselves, there is nothing impossible that can happen through the ministries of you and I. Can we give him a hand of praise for that this morning? I believe that with all of my heart. Jerome Groupman is a Harvard Medical School professor and doctor. He wrote a book a number of years ago called The Anatomy of Hope. Dr. Gutman says that you can't really live without hope. And he says that everyone that he's ever worked with, their recovery, no matter what treatment, no matter the medication, the recovery is dependent upon hope. And hope is, hope is the ability to see a future. Those people that I have sat with after they've had an attempted suicide, I said, why? What happened? And they said, Pastor, I just, I couldn't see any hope. I couldn't see any future for tomorrow. Satan has came, on, came and blinded them. Sometimes chemicals in their body have, have gotten to the point that they blinded them. Sometimes they've made some decisions that they feel like they could never be forgiven of. And so they, they lose sight of a path into the future. But dear ones, this morning I submit to you that as long as Jesus is alive, which is forever, there is always hope for you and I. Can we give him one more hand of praise this morning for that? So before I ask you to stand with me and the scripture I want to read this morning, for some of you I believe this is a word from God and you could leave this morning just upon this. But the Bible, I think, helps us to understand what hope really is. From the book of Romans, the Apostle Paul writes these words, who hopes for what they already have? Who hopes for what they already have? And what you may not have this morning, 
you've got every right to hope and anticipate for that in Christ Jesus today. You've got every right to come boldly into the presence of God through the blood of Jesus Christ and upon the authority of His Word to ask whatsoever you will in Christ's name. And so I want to talk to you this morning again one more time about miracles. And I want to talk to you and just ask you the question, do you want to be well? Would you stand with me as we go to the book of John this morning, chapter 5. Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. And today, by the way, is a Jewish holy day. It's the Feast of Tabernacles. Well, inside the city near the Sheep Gate was the Pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, lame or paralyzed, lay on the porches. And one of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him and knew he'd been ill for a long time, he asked him, read it with me, would you like to get well? I can't, sir, the sick man said. For I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. Jesus told him, stand up. Pick up your mat and walk. And instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. But this miracle happened on the Sabbath, so the Jewish leaders objected, and they said to the man who was cured, you can't work on the Sabbath. The law doesn't allow you to carry that sleeping mat. But he replied, the man who, told me, who healed me told me, pick up your mat and walk. Who said such a thing as that, they demanded. The man didn't know, for Jesus had disappeared into the crowd. But afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and told him, Now you are well. Now he's addressing something in this man's life. Now you are well, so stop sinning or something even worse may happen to you. And then the man went and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had healed him. Father, thank you for the richness and the lessons of faith found in this one story alone. Sometimes I've asked you, Lord, the questions, where are the miracles? Sometimes, Lord, those questions have been the bedside of someone very sick. Sometimes, Lord, it's been in a nation, as I see in my mind's eye, people, Lord, in such desperate and dire straits. And I thank you that, Lord, the days of miracles, despite what some may say, are not over. So, God, we want to anchor everything we say and believe in the Word of God. And as we always ask ourselves at Woodland, if we have a question, we say, what does the Word say? So I pray that you will help me to preach from the Bible this morning what you say about miracles. For it's in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. And everyone said, amen, amen, and amen. God bless you. You should, can be seated. Well, last week I looked at several stories of Jesus' doing miracles, and we took from each of those stories some lessons about the purpose of miracles. This morning, maybe what I would like to say to you and address the question is, why should I care about miracles? 
And I can't tell you over the years, people who have said to me, I don't need a miracle. Why should I care about miracles at all? Well, for me, I think I, I can answer that question in a couple of ways. First reason is it has to do with faith. Everything about our faith as Christians, it just has to do with miracles. We believe and we know that one day, the day is coming when Jesus is going to return. When I go to the cemetery, I often think of the cemetery as just a a, a field where the Bible talks about that this earthly body is like a seed and it's planted and one day there's going to be a resurrection and those who are, have died in Christ, those bodies are going to be resurrected to be with the Lord. I, we talked about the miracle last week of the incarnation and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior. So miracles have a lot to do with my faith this morning, but it also has a lot to do with the fact that I want to see the power of God at work in your life. I want to see the power of God at work in our communities and in our subdivisions. I want to see the power of God at work again in America like it has happened in times past. I have friends that I love and that I pray and I fast for who haven't come to faith in Jesus and once in a while I'll find myself praying, Lord, would you just blast away their doubts? Would you do something and bring a miracle into their lives? Convince them of the fact that you are who you say you are. Occasionally, there are those of you who will say to me, Pastor, I have a friend that's agreed with, to come to me with church, to church next week, and they're not a Christian, they're an atheist, and let's agree together in prayer. So we always pray that the Holy Spirit will seize their heart and persuade them. However, I know that miracles are not the cure-all, because if miracles were going to bring a revival to America, America would have had revival long ago. Last week when I asked you how many of you had seen a miracle in your life, almost everyone in this congregation raised their hands testifying to a miracle that was at work. There have been people who have testified of a miracle this week in their, in their lives as we prayed together. But there's another reason that I find myself wanting to talk to you about miracles this morning. And that's because at one of the deepest levels of my life, at what some would say the existential level of my life, I need a miracle. I'm a grandfather with a physically disabled grandson. I'm a grandfather with a grandson who is missing the, the white matter to develop physically in his body. And at two and a half years old, he, he's still like a, an infant. And, and although the gray matter is there, he's not able to speak yet. And he's making sounds. And we see God answering prayers as he's trying to match tones with Becky when Becky hums into his ears. But I, I look at my grandson and I listen to the grief and the love and the laughter of my son and my daughter-in-law as they pray pray for it, and they anticipate what God can do inside of his life. And I have to tell you, at the deepest level of my life, I find myself hurting for Dana and Andrew, and I find myself hurting for Josiah, and yet at the same time, I find myself giving God thanks every single day for the gift of his life and the way his little brothers love him and make over him and touch him, and for those little smiles that Josiah does. And I pray that he's healed, but I also pray that somehow or another it will be a testimony to every unbeliever. It will be a testimony and encouragement to their local church and to their neighbors that everyone who knows will give the glory and the honor to Jesus Christ. You see, when you find yourself, well, go ahead, give the Lord a hand of praise. When, 
when you find yourself at that very existential level of your life and you need a miracle, you find yourself then going, yes, God, I believe in miracles. And I don't say this with any sense of gotcha or I told you so, but I think of how many people over the years who have told me they don't believe in miracles. Doctors have told me they don't believe in miracles. People in our community have told me they don't believe in miracles. And then when the crisis hits at the existential level of their life, then they come because they know you or I believe in miracles and they ask us to pray and we never go like, I thought you didn't believe in miracles. I'm thinking of a man who, whom I built a great friendship with that has moved away now and God changed his life. But right here in our own communities, we built a friendship and he invited me to his home one day. And then he told me when I got there, he says, now listen, I know, Dennis, you love God. I know that you believe all that stuff, but I don't want any of that brought into my home. We're not trying to shape our children. And every time a preacher would fail, every time a pastor would fail, he would send me the article. He'd send me a link to read about this preacher's failing. And you might say, why do you befriend somebody like that? Because the bigger they are, the harder they fall. God is going to show up big in their life. And one day, at an existential level, something happened in his life, and he came to me saying, can you pray with me? Can you help me? And through another family in our church, help was provided in this, this, this professional's life. And friends, today, he's a passionate follower of Jesus Christ. Can we give the Lord a hand of praise for that? Never, never be intimidated by some people's scoffing or some people's lack of faith. Because too often, all that is is a ruse to stiff arm us or to keep some distance from us because, in other words, to follow Jesus means there's going to be a change in your life. Jesus goes to the man and he says, listen, now that you're well, stop sinning unless something worse happens to you. God is not threatening him. He's just telling us the thing we all need to know. Pardon my southern language. Sin ain't good for you. Sin ain't good for you. I remember one time at a military base, I was talking to a group of young officers, and somebody said, uh, Pastor Clanton, what do you think about sin? And one of them looked up and said, he's again it. You better believe I'm again it because it's not good for you. It's how the enemy works in people's lives. So never, ever be intimidated. Again, I want to see you healed. I want to see you have every need in your life met. But I want to make it clear, Woodland doesn't heal. Woodland doesn't deliver. But we preach about a Savior, and we believe in a Savior, and we seek a Savior who both saves, heals, and delivers, and provides for every single need in our life. That's the truth of the gospel. So let's take a close look at this. Jesus' healing miracles were always, from what I can read in the Scripture, a compassionate response to faith. Jesus' healing miracles were always a compassionate response to faith. Now, word compassion, I think, is a huge word to look at. For you serve a Savior who has been tested and suffered and hurt as you have, and He has great compassion upon you. Last week, we looked briefly at the story of a rabbi who at great personal risk for him and his family came to Jesus to ask him to heal his daughter, and 
Then he received the troubling news that like all of us have received a troubling phone call that it just caused our hearts to fall to the ground that his daughter had died. But Jesus told him, just have faith. And they walked together. And as I shared that story with you, I told you another story about a lady that the Bible tells us that when Jesus came that day to her town, she had hemorrhaged away her life. She had hemorrhaged away her life savings. Her very lifeblood was flowing out of her body. She was isolated and considered unclean, not supposed to be out in public. You couldn't sit on a chair that this lady had sat on. You couldn't sit on a sheet that this lady had sat on because everything about her and her disease was considered unclean. But somehow or another, faith gripped her heart, and she thought, if I can just touch the hem of Jesus' garment. If I can just touch him. So she, as we shared last week, she made her way through the crowd. And the moment she touched Jesus, she felt a surge. And Jesus felt that same surge of healing power that flowed from his body into her life. And the Bible records instantly that she was healed. Look at Mark 5, 27 with me this morning. She heard about Jesus, and so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe, for she thought to herself, I can't emphasize how important your thought life is. Circle that word, she thought to herself. Your thoughts are so important, building your life, feeding your life. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And may God touch you even in this service and build and increase your faith this morning as we have sang and worshiped and given, and as now we listen to his word. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. And because of that thought and because of that faith, she rose and when she touched him, the Bible says immediately the bleeding stopped and she could feel in her body that she'd been healed of her terrible condition. There's another wonderful story about a man that was possessed and tormented by evil spirits. You know him as the man that the devils identified themselves as legion because they were many. His friends loved him and his friends cared about him and so they, they bound him with chains so that he couldn't hurt himself or hurt anybody else. I don't know if you've ever had to deal with a demoniac and you might even be surprised to know that sometimes those things still happen in our world today. I've had to deal with them, and I've seen the horrible and the terrible things. I've had psychiatrists tell me, I don't understand it all, but yes, I know there are evil spirits that sometimes people submit themselves to, and their lives become controlled, and they're tormented by them. And they may deny that in a class, or somebody may deny that to you, but when you get out into the places where you have to really encounter some of the worst crises in life, you will find out your textbook is not nearly as valuable to you as the book of faith is, as the Bible is to you. For a textbook has never set anybody free, but the Word of God will always set people free. Can you say amen this morning? The Word of God will always bring deliverance into their lives. And so they came and they bound that man so he couldn't harm himself or anyone else. But Jesus, who I told you last week, will go anywhere, any place. Jesus goes where a rabbi shouldn't go. He goes to the place of the dead. He goes into the cemetery where the man is chained up. And because he himself as a rabbi would have been considered unclean, Jesus makes the unclean clean. Jesus makes the unclean place clean. Jesus makes the unclean person clean. Whatever God touches is instantaneous 
instantaneously change. Can you say amen to that? And so he goes into the cemetery and he sets the man free. Now notice what happened. He tells his friends, and soon a crowd gathered around Jesus and they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons and he was sitting there fully clothed and perfectly sane and they were all afraid. Friend, the accounts could go on and on. The deaf hear, the lame walk, those who had never walked leap for joy, those who had been able to talk, suddenly their tongues are set free, the blind see. I remember one night in a service that I was speaking at, a young woman came in. We greeted, we welcomed her into the service, and during my message, suddenly she began to act very strange, began to utter blasphemies in the service, and I don't know how I knew, just somehow or another, I knew that this woman was demonized, and, and I just felt checked to the Lord, and I said, those of you that are afraid or you don't understand, I'm just going to ask you to leave, and those of you who, you have faith in God, and you're not afraid, but you're not a spectator either, you're here to pray, and so we gathered around that young woman, and to make a long, awful story short, God delivered and set her free that night in the most powerful and beautiful way. Her countenance changed. Her life changed. There was a young woman, young woman in our congregation that her husband had forsaken and abandoned her, left her destitute. God provided a wonderful job for her, but Diana never became bitter. She continued to love the Lord, and for some reason, Diana felt she should take this young woman into her home. And I said, Diana, we don't know her. We don't know anything about her. She could be a knife-welding maniac. And she said, Pastor, do you really believe that after what happened here tonight? And I said, it doesn't matter what I believe. It's what you believe, Diana. And Diana took her into her home and discipled her, and she began to grow in her faith. And again, to make a beautiful long story short, God restored her to her family, and she was whole, and she is well, and she's still serving the Lord today. And God has blessed Diana in abundant and beautiful ways. I'm telling you, he's the same yesterday. He's the same today. He will always be the same forever. The power of God has not changed, but maybe our faith in him has changed in diminished to where we don't expect the miraculous anymore. I ask our church that night, is why I wouldn't make a, another video about this service today or talk about what happened, but I ask, do not tell anybody what took place here that night. And people do as people do. They went out telling everybody, and soon the paper was calling, soon every crackpot, every granola case, fruits, nuts, and flakes in our community was calling. We were being asked to deliver houses and businesses, and, and I just remember being so upset with the congregation because they didn't listen. There are times when Jesus does a miracle, and He says, don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. And we looked at a story last week where Jesus had to leave a town early because the man did not obey Jesus. Sometimes when God does something for you, you just wait and you rest in the Lord and you enjoy what God has done. Can you say amen to that? So it's important that we stick with the Word and the truth of the Word. We don't market miracles. We just look to the Lord of all grace and we ask him to have mercy and to do what he's always done in times past. Secondly, faith accepts any miracle that Jesus wants to give to me. And I tried to wrestle, how would I say this to you this week? And 
the best way I could come up, and I'm sure there's a better way, and you could think of it and tell me later, but faith accepts any miracle that Jesus wants to give to me. Now, let me kind of give you some background to what I'm thinking there. There are some things that constrict our faith sometimes. We think about how God used to do things. We think about, especially if you grew up like I did in a flaming, white-hot Pentecostal congregation, and you heard people screaming and shouting and jumping, and I mean, I've seen everything from people jump on top of the communion table to, quote, dance before the Lord. I've seen all kinds of things. You grew up like that, and yet we saw God do things as a child, and You know, it didn't happen in my life, and I grew very skeptical about it, very doubtful about it, but later God did touch and heal me. But, you know, if you grew up in that, you might think, this is how God does it. And then sometimes somebody gets healed because somebody prays a long, dramatic prayer. God of heaven reached out now and touched this prayer, and they shake them, and they spit upon them, they knock them down, and we go, that's how God does it. And so we're constricted because this is the way God does it. We find ourselves, if you grew up in the charismatic movement, it means that now you've got gray hair and you're looking at retirement. You remember names like John Wimbers. Anybody remember that name? None of you were in the charismatic movement then, but few of you do. John Wimber, who God used in a powerful, powerful way praying with people. And, and we think, well, maybe that's how it happened. Friends, I've got news for you. There's not, a miracle, there's not a miracle market, and there's not a formula for miracles. There's just simply faith in God. This is Jesus, however you want to do it. That's what I want you to do in my life today. Can we give him a hand of praise for that this morning? So we we don't constrict God by saying this is how we want it to happen or this is the way it used to happen. We just simply present ourselves before the Lord. You see, in the book of Matthew chapter 6 and verse 5, Jesus said this. He said, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues or churches where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they'll ever get. What's he saying? Hypocritical public praying out loud, that's all the reward you're going to get. You're not going to get the reward of faith. I mean, if your motivation is to be seen and to be heard, to raise money, that's not how it works. But notice what Jesus says. Now, let me, before I read the rest of this, this is important. I believe in public prayer. I believe there are times we should all agree together in prayer. Pray out loud together. We, if you're here on Saturday nights when we pray, it's a powerful, powerful time when we gather in this service to pray and hold up the needs of other people. But listen to the direction of Jesus. How many of you know Jesus knows more about prayer than anybody? But when you, Dean, that means you, you're included in that. Understand that? Got it? Good. That includes, David Anderson, where are you at? That includes you, Dave. When you pray, Paul Gorky, the coupon man at the door. Where are you at, Paul? Wave your hand. There you are. When you pray, Paul. Pastor Rick, when you pray. Pastor Clanton, when you pray, go away by yourself and shut the door behind you. Pray to your father in private. Then your Father who sees everything will reward you. Somebody say amen. Amen. 
Now that's the words of Jesus. Then the Father who sees will reward you. Last week I asked you the question I asked you the week before. If Jesus was to answer every prayer you prayed this last week, and I hope your prayer life has been increasing. I know my prayer life has really increased because if Jesus shows up in our family devotion and answers every prayer I prayed last week, man, are we all going to be blessed. You see what I'm saying? We're all going to be blessed. And I didn't pray about the lottery. I didn't pray about anything. I just praying the blessings of God upon all these prayer requests that are turned into us every week. He says, when you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. I prayed with a man in Brussels, Belgium one time, and he said to me, he says, oh, thank you. I was so scared that you would, when you pray in that beautiful French, I was so afraid when you pray for me. He said, the last American who prayed for me, they shook me up and down, and they must have prayed 30 minutes over me. I said, did God do anything for you? He goes, no, give me a headache. <laughs> he says, when you pray, don't babble on and on. Your, your prayers aren't answered because you're wordy. Don't be like them. For your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask Him. Camilla, He knows what you need even before you ask. He knows what you need this morning. That should be good news. Ron, He knows what you need even before you ask. And friends, when God knows your need, you can always count on His compassionate response to your faith. Can we give Him one more hand of praise this morning? You can count on that. Now, I pray deliberately this morning that we want to look at what the Word says, but I want to show you five things that come out of my experience as a pastor. I don't claim any sort of inspiration for these five things, but these are five things that I've noticed. There are five things that I think I can substantiate. What I just told you, I think, is the bottom line. You just come to Jesus in faith. But here's what I've seen over the years. Number one, I've seen instant cures. I've seen instant cures. I've seen people, not only that I've prayed for, that other people have prayed for, I've seen people healed of blindness, I've seen people healed of cancer, I've seen people healed of heart disease, I've seen people with boils on their neck just simply go away in response to prayer, I've seen the deaf healed, I've seen the lame, I've seen those things. Now, let me be careful because that sounds like, whoa, look at me. Those are rare compared to all the people that I prayed for that I haven't seen a miracle in their lives. Do you see what I'm saying? I've seen many, many miracles. We've seen miracles here, but there's so many that I prayed for that didn't get well. There's so many that I prayed for that didn't recover from cancer. But the fact that there are instant cures that God does instantly, it belies every person who denies that there is a God who heals today. Let me tell you a story about a man I didn't pray for, but his name is Jeff. Jeff was crippled in both of his feet. Jeff was in a wheelchair, terrible pain, numerous surgeries reconstructive on his feet. He's in university, he's in wheelchairs, been that way since he was a child. He's in a wheelchair at university, and one day a young guy from an Assemblies of God church who's also in a wheelchair invites him to go to church with him. They go to church, 
Jeff has grown up, his family is a part of a church that doesn't believe in miracles. They believe that miracles have passed away. It's a good church. It's a godly church. They're praying people. I'm not casting a stone, nor is Jeff casting a stone at the congregation he grew up in. But that night, the two of them went down in a wheelchair to be prayed for. God instantly healed Jeff. He was not only able to stand, he was able to walk. God totally healed him. But his friend Leland, Leland was not healed. Leland still, according to everything I know, was still in a wheelchair. I can't explain that. I just know that God healed Jeff. And when Jeff's family shared with their church that God had healed Jeff, people were skeptical, people doubted, people didn't believe. It hurt them. But you see, they were constricted by a paradigm that said miracles don't happen anymore that passed away with the apostles. Friends, let's don't be constricted by anything in this world. Let's be set free by the word of God. Jesus said, if you know the truth and do the truth, you shall be free indeed. That's the word of the Lord. Secondly, what I have seen over the years of my ministry is the ability of the body to heal itself. That somehow or another, bodies recover. I mean, I have been cut, I have been scratched at times and told, you need to go get stitches for that. And I'll go, no, I think we'll put some of them Band-Aids on it and put some of that antibiotic cream on there and, and it heals up. It leaves a scar, but it heals up. But you know what? My car never heals up when it's broken. And you know, Vito has to heal my car or Dave Barter, somebody like has to heal my car. If your car gets rust on it, you don't go, car, heal thyself. You go to the body shop and you have the rust removed and they prime it again and they paint it for you and they take care of it. You see, God created us in a remarkable way for our bodies to heal themselves. And surgeon after surgeon, and there are two doctors in this sanctuary this morning, they can tell you the same thing. Surgeon after surgeon has said to me, we can treat with medication, we can do surgery, but the healing is something we don't always understand. It is God that gives the the body the ability to heal. Can we give the Lord a hand of praise for that this morning? I mean, that's a creative miracle. The third thing is then sometimes God will lead you to the right cure, the right doctor, or the right medicine. As someone who grew up disabled, then this story really helped me out a lot as a young man. I was reading in my Bible one day, and I could not figure out why I had seen some things I've seen and while I was wrestling with the things that I had to wrestle with in my life physically. And then I was reading the story about a godly king named Hezekiah. A few weeks ago, I reminded you of the power of those flannel graphs in my life. There's the Sunday school teachers would put those up. And I remember Hezekiah being a godly king, being a king who was enthusiastic about the word of the Lord and sought to please God in everything he did. But Hezekiah got a boil upon his body, and the boil became infected, and it was causing poison to course throughout his body. And God sends his pastor, the prophet Isaiah, to say to him, Hezekiah, you're going to die. How would you like it if I showed up your hospital room and I went, you're going to die. That's the good news for today. So he comes to Hezekiah and says, you're dead, man. You are dying today. You know, get your house in order. You're fixing to die. And Hezekiah, the Bible says, Hezekiah began to pray and began to weep. Look at this with me. 
Remember, O Lord, how I have always been faithful to you and have served you single-mindedly, always doing what pleases you. Now notice, in this prayer, he doesn't ask God to heal him. Say that with me. He doesn't ask God to heal him. Look at your neighbor and say, isn't that odd? Isn't that odd? All right, now look at me. How many of you, if you knew you were dying, you'd ask God to touch you and heal you this morning? The rest of you, you need to get professional help. <laughs> Pastor Rick will see you right after church. He's good with that kind of thing. Let me ask again. How many of you, if you knew you were dying, you'd ask God to touch you and to heal you this morning? You, you're enjoying life. You like what God's doing? Okay, my thoughts. You know, every once in a while, I just have to remind you to be honest. Jesus is in this place today, and he's watching you. That really, I don't know, that did something to me. Why didn't Hezekiah ask it? And then the Bible says this. He broke down and he wept bitterly. Oh, well, I guess so. Your pastor says, you're going to die, man. <laughs> you're going the way of every other man on earth. This is, your time is up. He broke down. The pastor walks out of the room. He descends the stairs. He's going, now use your imagination with me. He's, he's on his way back to the parsonage. And he's in the courtyard, and suddenly, God speaks to him. He, he stopped. Before Isaiah had left the middle courtyard, this message came to him from the Lord. Go back to Hezekiah, the leader of my people, and tell him, this is what the Lord, the God of your ancestor David said, I have heard your prayers and seen your tears. I will heal you, and three days from now, you will get out of bed and go to the temple of the Lord. I will add 15 years to your life. I will rescue you and this city from the king of Assyria, and I will defend this city for my own honor and for the sake of my servant David. How many of you know that's the kind of message as a pastor you want to deliver to people? I mean, I don't want to come in and tell anybody. I've had to do that occasionally, but I don't want to come in and tell. This is the kind of word I want to deliver to people. But then God does something else, and this was what helped me so much as a young person, as a young adult, because there were people coming to me and says, stop taking your medication. People coming to me and says, don't ever have another surgery. People who meant well and thought God was telling them to tell me things. Friends, if it doesn't line up with the Bible, there's a theological word for it, and it's called baloney. Okay? I mean, telling me things that I knew weren't true. God then, evidently, he, he leads Isaiah. Isaiah says, make an ointment from figs. So Hezekiah's servant spread the ointment over the boil, and Hezekiah recovered. And three days later, Hezekiah is in the temple, and he's giving God glory for touching and healing him. Isn't that an amazing story? And the point of the story is sometimes God will lead you to the right doctor, Sometimes God will lead you to the right cure. When I came back from Asia, uh, we, you know, we didn't know anybody. When I was so sick, we did not know anybody that I needed. And sovereignly, God in his glory, he brought the infectious disease doctors. He bought the two surgeons that I would need. He bought a primary care physician. He bought Wayne State Medical School over. And those students would interview me. And I would get to tell them about what God was doing in my life. And I had the opportunity several times to speak to them. Listen to me. If you don't see the miracle the way you want to see it, don't be constricted 
in your faith, God's plan is always the best plan. I thank God this morning. Jesus is a friend of medicine, and medicine is a friend of Jesus. My faith in God does not deny the ability of God to use doctors and medicine in our lives. Can we give him a hand of praise for that this morning as well? I remember when Christopher, Christopher of all four of our children, is the only one that's broken multiple bones in his body. And I can remember when Christopher broke his first bone and I was getting in the car to leave to go to the airport and to, to where I was going to be speaking and I heard him scream out in pain and I canceled and I didn't, I prayed, but I'm telling you, I didn't stop and hesitate for one moment. We rushed him to the emergency room and... We thank God for the doctor that set his bone. We thank God for healing him. Listen, if I get sick today, I want you to pray. But take me to the doctor too. Okay, does that make sense? There's not a contradiction there. If I start seizing up or if I grab my chest and something's happened, don't go, okay, let's see what God's going to do. Fathead. Pray and give me to the doctor. Matter of fact, give me to the doctor and pray on the way there. Does that make sense? This is what I've seen God do through the years, and there's scriptural evidence for that. It might be a friend that you pour your heart out to, and God heals you emotionally. It might be when we're taking communion. I have prayed that some of you would be healed while I'm preaching the word of the Lord to you this morning. You see, there is healing when the grace of God comes into your life, and your sins are forgiven. You are emotionally healed, you are spiritually healed, and you can be physically healed as well. That's the reason Jesus so often said to somebody, your sins are forgiven, and they would recovered and stand up completely whole. Give him one more hand of praise this morning. Hallelujah. Gee whiz, somebody ran the clock forward on my iPad this morning. I didn't know it was that late. Real quickly, the miracle of God's sufficient grace. Paul, you're all familiar with this, I believe, and I won't take time to read the Scripture. By the way, all these extra notes and Scriptures are on the app in the outline of the message there. Paul has what some people refer to as a thorn. He says, I, God gave him a thorn. It's literally a word that means stake. We don't know what the illness was, but when Paul prayed several times, God, remove this from my life, this was the word of the Lord to Paul. He says, Paul, my grace is all you need. Say that with me. My grace is all you need. Look at your neighbor and say, the grace of God is all you need. The grace of God is all you need. You see, Look at what Paul was able to accomplish. Look at what Joni Erickson Tata was, has been able to accomplish. Joni believes in healing. I've heard her speak several times. She's been at our general council for the Assemblies of God. I've heard Joni speak. She believes in the power and the ability of God to heal. But sometimes God has a different plan. And look at how God has used Joni Erickson around the world at Billy Graham Crusades and in hospitals. Friends, whatever God chooses to do, don't become discouraged. The grace of God will make you more than an overcomer in Jesus Christ. And I will never forget when I met the man who's Johnny's husband, how moved I was by his care and his love and his affection, obvious affection for his beautiful wife and for the story of her faith. And then finally, one other thing I need to share with you this morning that I've seen and experienced, and that's the peace of God that passes all understanding because of our faith in the miracle of the resurrection for the followers of Jesus Christ. 
For to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. Last Wednesday night, a week ago, Matt and I were sitting out in the foyer talking after the Wednesday evening service, and he was telling me the comfort that his mother's faith gave him as then as she later passed away that week. We was at the funeral, and I kept saying to Becky, I said, isn't it amazing the comfort that our faith gives us, for we know our loved ones are in the presence of Jesus. I was talking with Barb Sheridan, a rich, your, I mean, uh, Jer, Jeremy, your grandmother, when she passed away this week, your parents and your grandparents were on board the cruise ship as it was leaving the harbor in Mobile Bay, and, and there, Barb's mother mom passed away of a heart attack and Barb and I've seen numerous people have heart attacks and Barb said pastor my mother's face was it grimaced in pain she said but there was this peace and there's this smile upon her face she saw Jesus as she went into the presence of the Lord and though Rich did CPR and they kept her alive on mechanical machines for a few days until finally they accepted the inevitable friends this is the one thing we know those of us that have been born again and our sins have been cleansed from our lives. We are going to live forever. God has given us eternal life. Can we say praise God this morning? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And every time I read that, his childhood song comes back to me. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. Friends, I believe in miracles. And then finally this morning, some miracles are just simply up to you. Some miracles are just simply up to you. Let's go back to the lame man. 38 years, 38 years he waited. 38 years he'd been carried I've been to that spot. 38 years. And here's the thing that's interesting to me. He never answered Jesus' question. Do you want to be well? He never answered that question. Here's what I've discovered. And I hope you still love me. I don't mean this mean. But through the decades... I have discovered that some people would rather embrace their grudges than embrace forgiveness. Because in holding wrong over somebody else's head, they have been able to manipulate or to control. I've discovered some people would rather embrace their depression because to be healed from their depression means that they've got to do life with people and they'd just rather be left alone. Some people have embraced their sickness because to be sick means that other people wait upon them and feel sorry for them. And it's interesting to me that this time Jesus did not wait for the man to ask. He just simply looked at him like he did Hezekiah. And he touched him and he healed him. Now, there's so much about this story I don't understand, but this one thing I do know, the moment Jesus touched that man, that man had to take responsibility for his life. No one else carried him anymore. 
Jesus' words were, stand up and walk. Because when God does a miracle in your life, and this is the reason I say this so carefully, miracles are not for consumers. Miracle is not something you buy like a weekend at Disney World. Miracle is not like a movie pass you buy to be entertained. Miracle is not something that you go to the doctor to get in order that you're just out of pain. When God does a miracle in your life, whether it's instant, whether it's through medicine, when God does a miracle in your life, God intends for you to serve Him by serving other people around you. Can we give the Lord a hand of praise for that this morning? That's the purpose of miracles. You see, the miracle didn't happen because he waited by a pool that he hoped an angel would trouble. Miracles happen in the presence of the Lord. And friends, when you put your faith and my faith in the same place as the presence of God as we look at, miracles always happen in the presence of Jesus. There is nothing impossible, Jesus says, to those who will believe. Who will believe God with a miracle with me this morning? If that's you, would you stand to your feet right now and say, I want to trust God for miracles in my community, in my home home, in my marriage, in my life, in my finances. Hallelujah. I want you to read this with me. We're going to stop where it says interlude, and we're going to just pause for a moment and think about how this applies to our life. May God be merciful and bless us. May His face smile with favor upon us. Interlude means, let's just think about that for a moment. What's going to happen when God blesses us? God shows you His mercy and His face smiles upon you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let's pick up with the next verse. May your ways be known throughout the earth. Read it out loud with me. May your ways be known throughout the earth. Your saving power among people everywhere. May the nations praise you, O God. Yes, may all the nations praise you. Let the whole world sing for joy because you govern the nations with justice and guide the people of the whole world. And would you imagine with me what it would be like when mercy and justice meet together, when the poor are no longer oppressed, when judgment is equal for all, when laws are just and fair. And let's pray that for our communities and for our schools. Let's pray that our children will be safe in their schools. That congregations will be safe as they gather to worship. That people at sporting events and concerts will be safe because justice rules. That your wife and babies are safe when you're traveling in your home. Hallelujah. Let's pray the young men of color are safe when they walk the streets. And the day comes when they don't fear because of the color of their skin. But all justice rules. Hallelujah. Let's pray that every power of hell leveraged against our communities, our schools, our children, 
Let's pray that God binds them and sends them back to the pit. Hallelujah. Let's pray for revival in the church and in America again. Hallelujah. Let's pick up with the rest of the psalm. Read it out loud with me. May the nations praise you, O God. Yes, may all the nations praise you. Then the earth will yield its harvest, and God, our God, will richly bless us. Yes, God will bless us, and people all over the world will fear him. Friends, if I read that correctly, even the earth will be more abundantly because the nations praise the Lord. Let's give him another big hand of praise in this room this morning. Hallelujah. 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 Father, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. If you need a miracle in your life this morning, would you just hold up your hand? No one's looking around, but just myself. I mean, you need a miracle. Every section of pews. I'm going to ask you to, I don't want to embarrass you. I'm going to pray regardless of whether you come or not. But if you lifted your hand, would you make your way to this altar this morning? Nobody's going to, 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 to shove you or do, nobody's going to do anything weird. We don't want to make a spectacle. But if you need a miracle, would you make your way to the altar this morning? We're in the presence of Jesus. We're in the presence of Jesus. Just come and find a place. Just stretch out across it. Rick, help get everybody stretched out across the altar here. Mark, where are you at, dear brother? Come help everybody get stretched out. Hallelujah. 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 Now, I want you to listen. Those of you that are still standing, I want you to listen to me. If you feel inside that you want to go pray with somebody that's standing here, I'm asking you just gently lay a hand on their shoulder. I'm asking you to pray quietly. I'm asking you just to stand there in faith and pray that God would minister to them. Don't shake them. Don't try to counsel them. That's not the purpose. But if you're just willing to come and pray to the Father quietly for a miracle in their life, would you come stand behind someone that you want to pray with this morning? Make your way right now. Faith happens in the presence of God. Now, those of you that need a miracle, would you just kind of just lift your hands up to the Lord, even if you've never done that before. Father, you see the need and you see the heart of everyone here. I have declared upon the authority of your word, it's not us who heal, but it's God who heals in the name of Jesus this morning. And as the apostles prayed, Lord, silver and gold we don't have to give, but such as we have this morning, we give and we share in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, we ask you, where there's a need for physical healing, that sick bodies will be healed, diseases will be cured, Lord. Where there's a need for emotional healing, that Holy Spirit of God, you will break the bands of heaviness and the chains of heaviness, O Lord, and that garments of praise will be slipped upon the shoulders of those who are heavy-hearted today. 
and that their eyes of faith will be open to see how great is our God. Father, for those who may be here for a financial miracle this morning, I don't know how you do it, but Becky and I and so many others can testify, you are the God who supplies all of our needs by your riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And so I pray, break the cycle of debt. Break the cycle of consumer debt, Lord. Break the cycle of credit card debt, Lord. Break the cycle of consumerism in our lives. And Father, I pray that in the name of Jesus that you would bless financially my brothers and sisters that are standing here I pray for those Lord that we've been praying with that God there's a lost son or a lost daughter or someone they love Lord Jesus who's bound up in some way God these are requests that come into us every week we agree together right now in the name of Jesus Christ and we ask you for a touch for a touch of grace that the Holy Spirit would convict them and open their eyes to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. What sin is doing to them and what amazing grace will transform them. And then finally, Lord, for those who may be grieving with hope, Lord, let them see that to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord, that our loved ones, oh God, are enjoying the joys of heaven and being in the presence of Christ while we finish our race upon this earth. Can we give the Lord a hand of praise for answering prayer right now? Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Sing it, Becky. Hallelujah. Come on, church. Lift your hands to him now and just worship him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, God, we thank you this morning. Miracles happen in your presence. Now, just wait and give him thanks. Even if you don't sense anything yet, just give him thanks. Thank Him for your step of faith this morning. Thank Him for the person who stood behind you to pray with you this morning. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Now, Adam, I want you to put the growth work up on the screen. And I want you all to look up there with me this morning. Say, Pastor, what do I do with this message? I cut this down to five. I've got over 20 things I would tell you, but number one, I want you to be open to what God wants to do in your life, ever how He wants to do it, okay? Don't constrict Him by saying, this is how I want it to happen. Don't constrict Him by history or what you remember. You be open to any miracle God wants to do in your life. Number two, I want you to continue to ask God boldly. Some people say you just ask one time and that's it. No, I pray every day for Josiah. I pray every day for Ethan. You pray every single day. You don't let up on heaven. You storm the gates of heaven. Number three, be satisfied with the will of God. If God says to you what he said to Paul, my grace is sufficient, give him glory for that. Amen? If God says to you, I mean, don't, don't make that an excuse not to believe God. But Paul sought God, he sought God, he sought God. One time Paul wanted to go to Asia, wanted to go to Asia, wanted, and God finally said, Paul, shut up and go to Europe. So if you get a shut up in your spirit, tell me about it, because Becky won't get on to me for saying shut up anymore, which I will hear after this service. Just ask God boldly, but be satisfied. Number four, when you hear about a miracle, 
give God thanks for it. But don't try to market it. Just give Him thanks. Give Him glory and honor. And then finally this morning, never lose, never lose your wonder with being amazed by the goodness and the grace of God. Can we do that? Well, may the Lord bless you richly from Zion, and may you walk in all that God has for you. May He make every valley exalted before you and bring every mountain down and give you good success in everything you do in the name of Jesus. That's the word of the Lord. God bless you. You're dismissed this morning.